Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Wandering Roots with me, your host, Kendall Lamb. This one is so, so filled with wisdom. Uh, The name of the episode is Iron Man Stories, Successes, Setbacks, and Life Lessons with Liz Flint. So everything's really there in the title, except for you must know that Liz is also my cousin and just the best. And this episode is so full of wisdom. I just keep thinking about it. I hope you enjoy it. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hey friends, get ready for a great conversation because today I have someone incredibly special to me. My very own cousin, Liz Flint, is on the podcast and I'm really excited. Liz is the mom of two adolescent boys, which could we just stop right there? We could do an entire podcast episode on that. Uh So that's fantastic. And she is also the assistant VP and business development consultant with MFS Investment, specifically focusing and advocating the unique and evolving financial needs of women. Woot woot, here, here, let's give it up for that. That's fantastic. And if that wasn't enough, she is also a multiple Ironman triathlete. If you do not know, friends, what an Ironman is, we're gonna tell you and you're gonna be really amazed because it is an incredible undertaking. So. In my very unbiased opinion, Liz is an absolute rock star. And also, more importantly, perhaps she's um, she's an absolute delight. She's one of the most generous, thoughtful human beings I have ever had the privilege of knowing. And she warms up every single room that she's in. So welcome, my friend, to the podcast. Oh my gosh, Kendall, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. But more importantly, I'm Congratulations to you on the podcast and thank you for thinking of me to be as to be a guest. This is really exciting. It is exciting and it's really fun to interview your family and friends. It's such a privilege. So thank you. And the reason and we'll just jump into it. The reason that I wanted to have you specifically on this podcast which is about container breaking and expansion and what happens when we sort of meet the edges of our comfort zones in our lives is because you began your Ironman journey following a divorce, which I find incredible because most of us have far less ambitious coping mechanisms. Like, I don't know, drinking wine and listening to sad music, maybe therapy, those kind of things. And um, that's, maybe part of what you did. But in addition to that, you you began training for long distance triathlons. And I am so curious to hear from you what motivated that and what inspired that. Yeah, um, so I definitely do drink wine and I do listen to sad music too. I think um, the journey starts for me and we can get into all of it, but the journey started for me back in 2006, before, um, before my husband at the time and I divorced. So we'll just walk back through and I'll walk you through how I got to where I am today and what motivated me. Um, but in 2006, 
at the time, my husband and I were still married and we we're working at the same firm and we got news that would kind of change the course of our lives. And um, this news, you know, the firm was restructuring, they were doing some changes and I will be honest and I didn't take it that well, right? I just, I didn't take the news that well and I was sad. I was embarrassed. I was so angry at that time in my life. And I did start drinking. I started drinking and that that was my coping mechanism. And what I also realized is I started spending time with people that probably didn't bring out the best version of myself, where I was drinking, we were drinking, they were, you know, gossip, like all of this stuff. And I just, I wasn't the best version of myself, but I was angry and I just, I didn't know how to handle my emotions. And a few months later, after all of this happened, I was actually in Atlanta. I was visiting my brother, Mike and his wife, Amy, and their two kids. And we were sitting around the dining room table and we were drinking a lot of wine. And Mike looked at me and he said, you know what? You should do a 70.3 Ironman. I had just finished a 200 mile bike ride across the state of Massachusetts called the Pan Mass Challenge. So 200 miles over the course of two days where we were raising money for Dana Farber. And so he looked at me and he said, you have the bike, you were a swimmer growing up, um, you should do it. Now, the 70.3 Ironman, what it consists of is it consists of a swim, a bike and a run. Now it's a 1.2 mile swim, a 56 mile bike ride, followed by a 13.1 mile run. All in one day, all right after each other. So just a little background on me. I had never once done a triathlon, triathlon before. So you know, <laughs> most people would be like, you know what? I'll start with like a sprint version or I'll start with a uh, Olympic version. I just jumped right into it. So I signed up. So come 2017, I did my first half Ironman, which was in Chattanooga. Later that year, I did um, Austin. Again, mind you, I was still a mess. I was still really angry. I wasn't quite sure how to process my emotions. 2018 comes. My husband and I, we separated. I bought a house, you know, things in my life change. I am continuing to train that year. I did Whistler 70.3 and I did Cabo 70.3, but it was also at that time that I realized, you know what? I kind of, I'm done being angry. I had all, all this like misguided anger. I just wasn't being the best version of myself. I didn't like who I'd become the last few years. And so what I decided to do was kind of step up my training and decided that I wanted to do Ironman. Now, Ironman is double the length of the 70.3. So it's a 2.4 mile swim, 112 miles on the bike, and then a 26.2 mile run all in one day. So I hired my coach, Mike, um, and we worked together to put together a training program because my life at that point had changed. I just gone through a divorce. I now share custody of my two kids with my ex-husband. I'm working full time. And I knew that I just couldn't get out and 
like ride for six or seven hours at a time. So I needed help and I needed that training to focus on that end goal, which was Ironman. 2019, I did St. George 70.3 and I did Austria 70.3. 2020 was when I actually did Ironman. In March of 2020, I did New Zealand Ironman. And then 2021, I started Ironman France in Nice. And then the last one that I did was in um, 2022, I did Victoria 70.3. So it hasn't always been a this kind of straight line where, you know, I, I went through a lot. I I was really, I was broken. I was hurt. I was angry. I was I was a mess and I was messy at, you know, for a long time. And I do think that Ironman, it just kind of it for me, what it does is it just you have this goal at the end and you just you train to get to that goal. And it's you're establishing these healthy habits um, that for me were very, very helpful in my healing process and my journey um, through the last few years. Unbelievable. I appreciate that timeline so much because obviously having known you through all of that i um i think i was unaware of first of all how many half ironmans that you did um that's incredible but also i just think it it shows this thread and i appreciate that you are so honest about what a mess you felt like in the midst of it and how you really were angry because we often think that once we develop these healthy coping mechanisms or habits or um, we implement these things in our life that there's almost a parallel trajectory of other health and healing in our life and it's oftentimes so much messier than that and and there's often such a a perspective that comes in looking back where you're able to see when you've stepped several steps away from it okay, that's where I was at that point in time. And, and this is how that particular event or moment shaped a reality that I wasn't even aware of until later. So one thing I'd love for you to talk about is that very first full Ironman that you did in New Zealand. What was it like to be at the finish line of, of such an accomplishment when there was so much leading up to it. Was there a catharsis at the end of it? Or was it something where you finished and you thought, I have to still get my head wrapped around this? Where were you at sort of mentally and emotionally when you finished that finish line? Because, and I guess I ask because growing up, I was aware of Iron Man, maybe more than other people, because my dad and my brother were a little bit obsessed with watching the Hawaii Ironman every year when it went on. And I remember as a kid watching these finishers cross the finish line and thinking, I can't even imagine taking something like that on. I could barely do the mile (laughs) run at school. Like four laps around the track was overwhelming to me at the age of like 12 or 13. And so I, Uh I couldn't imagine it. So having been there, having been to that finish line point, um, can you sort of walk us through what that looks like. Yeah. So it's funny that you say that because when I first started running, I literally had to download like the couch potato to 5k app. Like I could not run to the end of the block. 
I, you know, I think it was like you run 30 seconds and then you walk for like five minutes. I mean, you work up to it. And so I think this idea of Ironman, it can be very, very overwhelming when you think about, oh my gosh, you are doing a swim, a bike, a run all in, in the same day. Like, but for me, it was all about the training. It was all about that process. It was about that consistent process of just doing something every single day to work up, to work up to it. So it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of dedication. Um, that finish line was probably one of the most incredible things that has ever happened to me. It's this feeling that you can't really describe. And I think what comes down to it is that you, you have, you've put in all this work, you've put in all this time, you've put in sweat, you've put in tears and for so long, I mean, I signed up for Ironman New Zealand on March 12th of 2019. At the time, what I did was I took a pink post-it note and I wrote down New Zealand 2020. And I put this pink post-it note on my refrigerator. So every single day I was looking at it. That was what motivated me to continue to do the workouts continue to train, to continue to get up at 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the morning, do things when it's sunny, when it's rainy, when it's cold, you're on treadmills in hotels, you're, you're working out on vacation, like you have to do it every day. And so right before we traveled to New Zealand, what I did was I actually took that post-it and I laminated it and I took it with me. And I carried it with me. I didn't take it in the swim, but I took it when I rode my bike and I took it on the run just to remind myself that you've worked really hard for this and you, you know, enjoy the moment. So that entire day, that Saturday in 2020 in New Zealand, I had just a completely different mindset. In prior races, what I would do is I, I kind of was like, oh my gosh, I was swimming and I'd be like, oh my gosh, I still now have to bike 56 miles. And then I have to run on top of it. Like, and you would just get into this mind, you know, it, you get in your head. And so what I did with New Zealand, I just took a different approach. And I said, you know what, one thing at a time. So I knew when I was in the water, all I needed to do was just get to that next buoy. And then when I got to that buoy, let's get to the next one. And then I just did it small increments at a time. Because I think when you think, this huge thing with this bike, swim, bike, run all day, it's, it can get overwhelming and you can get, you know, you can get into a negative mindset. So I just did that. I got on my bike and I said, you eat every 10 minutes. That's how I trained. I was eating goos or gels or whatever it was. So every 10 minutes. So on the bike, it was like, just focus on the next 10 minutes, just focus on the next 10 minutes. And then when you get to the run, which for me, by that point, it was more like a walk run than anything else but they typically have aid stations like every mile. So I'm like, okay, you just need to get to the next aid station and then you can eat again and you can drink again. But the entire course of the day, I had this overwhelming sense of gratitude. Mm -hmm. This entire day, I was incredibly thankful for being in New Zealand, for being able to swim in this beautiful lake, for being able to bike and see the countryside of New Zealand, for being healthy enough to then run the run the course to have my mom and your mom were there as supporters to see them along the way. I tried to be so thankful for all of the volunteers and stop and say, thank you. 
Um, so I had this entire mindset that was grateful, that was, you know, this is what you've worked for. This is all of those early mornings. These are all those times that you, you know, maybe gave up plans the night before so you could, so you could focus on this. So just enjoy the moment, you know, don't rush through it. Just enjoy the moment. Enjoy being here because when it's over, it's over. It's, it's over. And, and that's it. So that was my mindset the entire day. So I take a really long time to do these. I'm not great at them. I'm never qualifying. I know you said Chris and your dad used to watch these, the races in Kona. Well, Kona is the championship race. So that's where all of these amazing athletes that either win or at the top of their age group, you have to qualify to get to Kona. So that's like the best of the best. I'll tell you, I will never go to Kona. Like I'm not that good. I am not fast but I enjoy the adventure component of it. So I, I finished and it was dark out. I mean, I took legit all day long to finish. And, and I just remember like my legs were so tired by that point. I was exhausted. I was so close to the finish line and your mom came out and she kind of like was like, come on, you only have a little bit. So she was like that voice that was there to just continue to motivate me. And I think I might have had like a quarter mile left. And she's like, you got this. You you have it. You, you go. And so I ran through the finish line. And um, Mike Riley, he's kind of the voice of Iron Man. He's the one that kind of announces when you come through that finish line. He'll be like, Liz Flint, you are now an Iron Man. So like I heard him say my name. There's this red Iron Man carpet that you run through. You know, both sides of it are just lined with people that are cheering so loudly. They're screaming your name. There's music that's blaring. And it's just this whole like intense, exciting, motivating experience, whether you're running it, whether you are competing, whether you are a uh, spectator, it's, it's inspiring. It inspires you. So I ran through that finish line and they actually, at the end of Ironman races, what they have is they have catchers that are there that virtually will like catch you when you cross the finish line to make sure that you don't fall over or collapse or anything like that. So you had somebody that was there that made sure that you were okay, that wrapped you in, I can't remember if it was like a towel or if it was just something to, you know, for your body temperature. And then they take you inside a tent where they check all your vitals, where they check to make sure that, that you're okay because your body has just gone through this insane insane day of, of exercise and adrenaline and you're putting goos and gels and electrolytes in your body. It's, it's really intense. Um, it, it was a feeling like I, it was just one of those feelings where I felt so proud of myself for all of the hard work and knowing how far that I'd come since I started this. Um, it's pretty exciting. And I think after an event like that, 
there's a little bit of a letdown. And I think it's probably like that with many things in life. You know, you have this event or something that you're looking forward to or that you're planning for so long. And every single day you're devoted to doing that or every single day you are doing something to get to that goal that when it's over, you're just like, oh, oh, okay. What do I, what do I do now? Like, what do I do? What do I do now? And so that's why I knew when it was over, it was over. And, you know, I would never experience a first Ironman again. Like this was my first and I just needed to enjoy it. I needed to embrace the day. I needed to know that I gave it everything that I could and enjoy every single minute of it. But it was, it was pretty, it was pretty special. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. There's so much in there. I get choked up when I hear that story on several occasions. But I think what strikes me is how much just there is a life metaphor in a big race like this or in maybe any big undertaking or journey. Because when you talk about specifically how the mentality and the mindset, number one, of gratitude served you so well that day, but also of only just taking one next step at a time, I think anybody listening to this who's trying to do anything right now that feels uncomfortable or big, or even if you're thinking about undertaking something really massive, we tend to, as you said, get overwhelmed by the magnitude of what we're about to bite off, sometimes so much so that we just don't do it because, and I think that's a trap most of us get to, because it's like, okay, I could never fill in the blank, but in this instance, I could never swim and then ride my bike (laughs) and then run a marathon, right? That just is way too much. But one of my favorite um, metaphors for this that I use so often in my life, and I don't remember who said it, it wasn't me, I can't take credit for it, but it's like driving at night in the dark where you cannot see where you're going. Obviously, imagine you're in like a moonless night and just feeling like there's no way I can get where I need to go because I can't see, right? I can't see the way, but that you really only need to see as far as your headlights are shining in front of you again and again and again, and eventually you will hit that destination. And so this is the epitome of that in a very literal sense of okay, I only need to make it to the next aid station. And you just keep doing that because it redefines, I think, what is possible for the human spirit to endure when we are able to distill it down to just that next moment and the next moment after that until you are at this final moment of, having your name called out and having people chanting your name and then being caught. But the metaphor is also there in such a profound way, because I think when we have taken on something really, really hard, or we've accomplished a thing, there's this deep human longing to be seen, to be acknowledged, to be celebrated. 
And I think when you're in a moment like that and you can surrender to that and say, yeah, I deserve this, right? I have given this everything that I've got and I'm going to receive the chanting of the crowd. Could we all maybe try and make space in our lives for the reception of that bounty at the end of something? Because I think sometimes we resist that or we want to minimize it almost. And we want to say, oh, it's not that big of a deal or anyone could oh, have yeah. done this, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, trust me. Afterwards, I mean, we spent, after after the race, we spent another week in New Zealand. And all week, my mom was like, she just did Iron Man. And I was like, it's really not a big deal. And she's like, it is a big deal. Like, it is a really big deal. And I know it's a big deal. I do. I know that. There's a lot that, but I think too, because I do it every day and I do a little bit every day and it's, you know, I've been working towards it for so long that it's just, it's part of who I am. It's part of my daily routines. It's, and so I don't think of it like that, but I can see that. Yes, it is. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of dedication. It takes just support from family and loved ones and all of that, that, I really do need to, to honor that, um, and really honor what that, the, the accomplishment is. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I think one of the reasons too, is that sometimes we minimize our accomplishments because especially as women we're taught humility and selflessness is the epitome of what it is to be feminine. Right. And so we tend to just make ourselves smaller because we're taught that that's our role to play and that there's something really dignified about that. But I often find the opposite is true for me when I encounter people who have done these really big things and who with great humility can own it. I think there's an ownership of our greatness that grants permission to other people to also own what it is that is great inside of them that opens us up in this way to start I think striving for things that we feel like are beyond us, because I know for me, when I was made aware of the fact that you were going to do an, a full Ironman in the first place, but then I was getting the play-by-play -play from my mom on the other end as well. So after yeah. you finished the race, it was like, how did she do? And how was it? And she was so on this own, her own adrenaline high of just being so proud of you and having witnessed this that it made me as an observer think, and this is what we talk about when we talk about inspiration, right? It, it made me think, okay, if Liz can go from five, from like couch potato to 5K <laughs> to crossing that finish line at the Ironman, what is it in my life that is the equivalent of an Ironman that maybe I can start getting off the couch and slowly and steadily working yeah. my way towards. So I just yeah. wanna, I just wanna honor that first of all, because um, I think Thank it takes you. a lot to just say, yeah, I did this thing, and it is a big deal, and it is a really big yeah, deal. It is. So I want to segue because I think there's just as an important lesson in the next story I want you to tell, which is about your attempted Ironman in France in yeah. Nice and what that journey looked like in juxtaposition to the, the story that you just told about the finish line in New Zealand. Okay. 
Yeah. So um, after New Zealand, so New Zealand was in March of 2020. It was actually the last event that they did before they canceled or postponed everything because of COVID. So after that, I got back to Arizona and I'm like, okay, where's the next one? And I, when we were able to sign up again, I signed up for Nice in 2021. I believe it was September. It was postponed because I think it was supposed to be in June of 2021. And because of things that were happening in the country during COVID, they postponed it to September. And so I traveled to Nice to do Ironman Nice. And um, it was a little bit of a different experience than New Zealand. So I, the day of the event, you know, I'm there with, you know, some of the closest people in my life, people that I, you know, people that are just mean so much to me. And so I guess a few things to share before I get into the story that will, that, that will make it make, make sense, but a few things about Iron Man. So the first thing is, is that you have to cross the finish line by 12 p.m. And if you don't cross the finish line by 12 p.m., you get a DNF, meaning a did not finish. But also there are time restrictions on everything. So like if you don't get out of the water in a certain amount of time, you don't get to go onto the bike. There's different checkpoints on the bike that if you don't get to those, you don't get to finish. You don't get to continue and finish the bike, and then you don't get to the run. And the same thing on the run. There are certain time um, milestones that you have to meet. The other thing about Iron Man is that you can't listen to, you can't have headphones in your ears. So it is truly a, a race where you are with your thoughts all day long. There are no distractions. It is you and your thoughts. So I start the swim. The swim is in the Mediterranean. It is gorgeous. I have a fabulous swim. Out of all three of the events, swimming, I know I'm the strongest at. So I get out of the water and I get on my bike. And I know within the first 10 minutes that it is going to be an incredibly long day. We start climbing immediately. So for anybody who's ever had or ever watched the Tour de France, this Ironman literally like came out of the Tour de France manual. Like it was a leg in the Tour de France. I mean, we are just climbing up these French mountains all day long. So I'm on my bike all day, all day. I'm climbing, I'm climbing. So it's around five o'clock. So I'd been on my bike probably since, let's call it 8.30 in the morning, maybe all day. I'm tired, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty. And I'm climbing up these hills, I'm climbing up these mountains and I hear this like really, really big truck behind me. It almost sounds like it could be like a garbage truck or a like a semi truck. It's just right behind me. And it won't pass me. And I'm like, go around. Like, just, just why are you going around me? Why are you going around? Just go around. So it is behind me for a really long time. I finally get off of my bike 
and I look back and I take my arm and I'm like, go around me. And the guy gets out of the bus and he is part, this bus is like the sweeper bus. It follows the last person on, on the bike course. I was the last person on the bike course that day. I didn't know they had a sweeper bus because I'd never been the last person in the race. And so he gets out, he speaks French, I'm speaking English, and he kind of crosses his arms and he's like, are you ready? And I'm like, no, I'm not, go on without me. And then he looks at his watch and he's like, basically he said, you didn't reach the next milestone, the time cut off, and we have to take you off of the course. So it's about five o'clock in the afternoon. It's I'm 70 miles into the bike. I still have what, 40 miles to do. So I missed the cutoff. So this was France was my eighth race. First time I'd ever gotten taken off the course. So they take my bike and they load it into another truck. And then here I am, I'm crying. I'm upset. I'm embarrassed. All of those feelings that you feel when you feel like you just completely failed at something where you have people that are there supporting you, where you have people that are following you on the tracker. Like, I just feel like I let everybody down, including myself. And so I get on, you know, they take my bike. I walk over to this bus, the sweeper bus, and I climb on this bus and this bus is full of athletes, other athletes that didn't make cutoffs that maybe they had mechanical issues with their bike. Maybe they hurt themselves, whatever it is, they were on this bus. So I climb on this bus and every person on that bus starts clapping. They just start clapping for me. And, and I'm crying and they're clapping because they literally watched me just fight fight, fight up this mountain uh, for however long they were following me. And they started clapping for me. And so I knew I wasn't going to make it to, you know, the end. I knew I wasn't going to go on the run. I wasn't going to cross that finish line of Ironman that day. But I think I took away three really big things during, during my time in France. And it goes back to what you said, where, where the road to Ironman is paved with lessons of life. I really think that is true. So what I learned that day, I learned three things. I learned the first thing is I learned that it's going to be a really long day, a really long day. And there's going to be moments in the day that you are going to feel really good. And in those moments, you just want to go as strong as you can. And then there's going to be moments in the day where you don't feel so good, where maybe you just, you know, those negative thoughts come creeping in, or you just want to give up, or you just want to say, I'm good. And in those moments, when those thoughts come in, you just have to remember all those things that you've worked for in all those early mornings and training, and just, you have to keep going. You just have to keep putting one foot in front of the other. So. That's the first thing I learned is it will be a long day. 
right? In moments that you feel good, just continue to go strong. In moments that you don't feel so good, don't stop, don't give up. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other. The second thing I learned that day was I learned that the day will end no matter what. The day is going to end. So it's going to be midnight. You will either have crossed that finish line or you won't. The day will end. And make sure that when that day ends, that you ended it on your terms. So I knew pretty early on that I probably was not going to finish this bike. You know, I could sit here and I could make excuse after excuse, but ultimately what it came down to was I just hadn't trained for those mountains. And I take full responsibility for that. So I knew, you know, I'm doing these calculations in my head. Oh my gosh, I'm only at mile 70. I still have another 42 miles to go. And at this rate I'm going, if I still get to the run, I'm going to have to run like a six minute mile, right? Like you're thinking of all these calculations. I'm like, I, I, I'm not going to do it. But I knew, I kept thinking of that expression ended on your terms. And I knew, and I know now that I gave it everything I could. I gave it everything I could. I worked and I worked and I had to literally be dragged off of that course. And so I can look back at my time in France and say, you know what? I gave it everything I could. I couldn't have done anything more. During that day, I could not have done anything more to change the outcome of what was going to happen. So that was the second thing I learned. The third thing I learned is that there will always be people that are at that finish line for you. Whenever you, you know, finish an Ironman, whenever you get promoted, whenever things in life are going really good, there will always be people there that are cheering you on. But who are those people that are there that are sitting with you and supporting you when things aren't going so well? When maybe you don't cross that finish line or you don't accomplish that goal or you get passed over for that job, who are those people? And so what I realized is I just want to surround myself and I get it. It's a metaphor, but I want to surround myself with people that were on that bus. I will get on that bus any day of the week because those are the people that support you. Those are the people that are giving you grace and they're sitting outside your doorstep when things don't go the way that you want to. And I realized that I didn't cross the finish line that day, but I feel like I learned so much more about myself, about, you know, just the people that I surround myself with, um, about, you know, my training and what that looks like, that I learned a lot more on that particular day than I have in any other race. And it's interesting too, because right when I was finished, I had a number of people that were like, would you do it again? Would you go back to France? Would you do it? And for so long, I said, yes, of course, I will go back. I will train. I will go back. I will go back. And now I look at it and it goes back to what you said. Like sometimes we have to be removed from something for a little bit of time to actually get like a clear picture of that lesson that it taught you or whatever. And what I realized is, I don't think I want to. I think that the trip, yeah, granted, I didn't get the outcome I wanted. I didn't cross that finish line, but it was a pretty magnificent trip with 
you know, the people I was there with and swimming in the Mediterranean and gambling at Monte Carlo, like all of these things that I just want to honor. And I just want to honor what it was and where I was in my life and the lessons that it taught me. And so, yeah. So again, for so long, I was like, yes, I'm going to go and I'll train better. But now I'm like, you know what? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that it's, you know, I'm just going to keep that as a, just a special part of the journey to Ironman. I love everything you just said. I <laughs> thank you. Thank you for saying that. I do. I, I find that whole story to be one of the most, it's like the underdog of inspiring stories that just takes it for me. It hits so deep in my heart. And, and I think for anybody hearing that, because yes, it's just a metaphor, but all I think some of the best things in life are, but this idea of, can you find the people who will cheer for you on the bus? Because I think, you know, we're really great as communities at gathering for things that we really want to celebrate one another for. So we're great at gathering for weddings and for baby showers and for anniversaries. You know, we're really great at having these parties for these big moments. We're not so great at gathering when people have quote unquote failed at something, when you've lost a job or you've miscarried a baby or something has gone wrong, so to speak, or something just went a way that you were not expecting, but that is when we need each other the most. That is mm -hmm. when we need community and we need to be surrounded by people who are bearing witness to the moment that we're in at this really rock bottom point when you, like you said, you were feeling embarrassed and you were feeling angry and you were feeling sad and you had given everything you could give and here you are being swept up by this bus and you don't want to be on the bus. You know, this isn't something you would choose. You were gonna keep going for as long as you could, but being able to be seen in those moments and not just seen, but celebrated by people who also are in the same place. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's Absolutely. so powerful is because I think we are the best at bearing witness to other people's pain when we can sit in solidarity in this moment of, I know not exactly what you're feeling because we're all on our own journeys, but I know what this feels like. I know yeah. what it feels like to be this low and I'm not gonna try and fix it. And I'm not gonna put these platitudes on it of, oh, well, we can just try again or don't worry about it or it's not that big of a deal, but holding space for people and saying, I see you and I know that this is terrible and also I know that you actually have succeeded in the sense that you did give everything you could. And if that's not the point of all of this, I don't know what is, you know, and I, I love the fact that you are at a point right now in, in retrospect, where you can say, no, I'm not going to go fix that by doing a, another Ironman France in Nice and maybe correcting the mistake because it 
doesn't hold dignity for what that experience was. And I yeah. think I appreciate that you can hold that experience as sacred and complete unto itself, regardless of whatever the expectation or the outcome was. That's yeah, so I think beautiful. at the end of the day, people just want, you know, to, to have people that show up for them and they want, you know, and they want it with kindness and without judgment. And that's all people want. Um, like we said, just, you know, having grace for people and just sitting outside someone's doorstep. I mean, knowing or letting them know that you're there if they need anything that you'll be waiting and you'll be, you're there because sometimes, you know, it's not necessarily the words or it's just the actions of showing up for another, for another individual. Yeah. And I, I think it's so amazing that experiences like this running races um, or these, these long distance triathlons or really anything big like this can be just such beautiful examples of what this whole human experience is in the first place. And I so appreciate you coming on here and sharing that with everybody because most of us will never do an Ironman. Maybe some people will hear this and, and actually think yeah, maybe that's absolutely. something I want to do because I think you've, mm -hmm. you've made it something that's really accessible um, where you're like, I'm not the best and I'm never going to qualify, but I'm doing it. Um, yeah. That's really relatable, but we all have some Ironman in our life, whether it's starting a podcast or writing a book or, you know, my mom just walked across the Camino de Santiago in Spain by herself. And that was her sort of Ironman right now. But mm -hmm. um, I just, I think anybody can, can listen to something like this and, and receive the wisdom of one thing at a time, the next right step, all the wisdom that you shared about how you can gain, you can have perspective before taking any big thing on of, there are gonna be great moments and there are also gonna be really hard moments because that's, there's, it's so profound and it's so motivating to be able to say, what are you gonna do when you get to that point where you, are not having a great time or things are not going well, if you can think about that in advance and have a game plan and just have it in your awareness is huge. And then ultimately also being in a position where you are in a radical acceptance of whatever is currently going on in your present moment. My, one of my favorite sayings right now is accept the unacceptable. Can we get to a point where we feel surrendered and freed to say, I accept this, whatever it is, and not resist that, and then be able to follow that with whatever the next inspiration is, is, is really, really, really beautiful. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Such profound wisdom. So I'm going to wrap it up on that one because we all have a lot to think about. And anybody wanting to go do an Ironman. What would you say <laughs> to someone right now? Who's like, I actually think I might want to do that. What's the first step? A sign up. That's, I think that just sign up for it. I think, 
uh, that's how I've always been. It's I've always had this motto of, you know, sign up or commit and then figure it out. And when I signed up for my first one back in 2016, I had no idea what I was doing, but I knew I could figure it out. So I ended up, I did it and I found like some training online. I had no idea what I was doing. And, but I, but I, I signed up and I figured it out every day. You learn something new and my training has advanced and progressed and how I eat or drink when I'm, you know, when I'm extra, what, when I'm training, like that looks different. Like it's all a, you know, it's a progression. So I would just sign up and then, or commit and then, and then you can figure it out. I, love I think it. the hardest part for so many people is just that initial step of, oh my gosh, it's, you know, what's on the books, you know, you've got a date. It's like, yeah, that's what I'm going to work for or work towards. So that would be my advice. And then just have fun, you know, have fun, enjoy the journey. I think, you know, for me, the journey, the journey has probably been more satisfying than actually the actual race day. It's getting there. It's training for it. It's everything leading up to it. That is, that's, you know, that's it. That's it. Okay. Friends, anyone listening to this, I'm going to give the homework assignment of signing up for something. So yes. if it's an Ironman, great. If it's a half Ironman, fabulous. But if if you if there's something in your mind that you've been thinking about and you've been sort of contemplating or something comes into your world in the next little while and you think maybe, we're just encouraging you to sign up for the thing, get it on the calendar, and then just take one little step at a time till you get there. Thank you, Liz. I love you. I love you too. Thank you for having me. This was so enjoyable. It's the best. Bye. (laughs) And there you have it. Such a good conversation. I know ever since we recorded this episode, I keep thinking about what it is that I can put on my calendar or even just my metaphorical calendar that feels big and scary and unattainable right now so that I can just start putting one foot in front of the other and just doing the thing. So please join me on that journey and let me know what it is that you guys are working towards because we have such an ability to inspire one another. So as always, if you're enjoying this podcast, please hit the like or follow button wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And if you comment on it, then, you know, kudos to you because commenting on things is hard and I really appreciate it. Anyway, peace and love everyone. Bye.